politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, and property and actually mean it and not just posture about it. If that's what you're hoping for, well, this is your only truly independent conservative talk here at CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today for Tuesday, August 15th. And here we are after the fourth indictment. We're in the same place we were with the first three. And that is we have a right, a fake right in America that is not serious even when they speak about impending doom. They're not serious about their supposed stated objectives. It's that simple. If the goal is to beat Democrats and save America, as they always say, then their approach doesn't make any sense. But if the goal is to extract every last small dollar from their senior base by lying to them to pay their legal bills and to just short-sightedly promote Trump as the primary winner and then not think about the day after, then, yeah, I mean, everything makes sense. And that's essentially what it is. Um, You know, we are in this situation where, again, like I said, I wish it was just a, a MAGA Trump scam and none of what the left is doing is true. Then it wouldn't be so severe the fact that we don't have a real committed serious, strategic plan to deal with it. But the problem is the stuff that they're throwing at Trump is real because they're throwing it at us. They are criminalizing politics. They are criminalizing freedom of speech. They are criminalizing political speech. But you know what? They criminalized our breathing. They criminalized our bodies, life, liberty, property, at its most basic sense, and we slept through it. We slept through a constitutional coup on March 2020, but then days and months After that as well, including the very man himself that my colleagues want to promote. So, yeah, now we're we're out of options or we have very few options of what you can do. We set that stage. It's not like, oh, my gosh, they came after Mr. Trump. They've been doing this and we've been grifting and doing nothing about it and not identifying strategic leverage points that we could actually utilize. So I'm going to say the same thing I said after all those other three, but there's some news on that. There's some news I want to get to that demonstrates the fraud of this point. But I also want to get to our special guest today, one of the uh, Army veterans, a doctor, Dr. Sam Sigaloff, whom we are raising funds for with Fourth Reich Book. If you .com, FourthReichBook.com, you can get signed copies of Rise of the Fourth Reich from Steve Dace and myself. Both of us are signing it. And that and the 100% of the proceeds will go towards Dr. Sam Sigloff and his, uh, you know, his friend, Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, who are basically drummed out of the military, now have their lives destroyed because they warned about it when, 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 when we could have done something. But, you know, they're left out to dry. They're not on War Room and all these shows and everything. They don't have that support. They don't have Trump support. They don't have a way of making that sort of money. And we are where we are because of the warp speed that Trump had. So here's the thing. There are serious problems, but Trump is not the solution if we really believe in those problems. And I want to get through that before we get to our guest. First, our sponsor, Birch Gold. Look, 
you know, Kevin McCarthy is making it clear he is not going to have a budget fight. So without a budget fight, there is no way of dealing with the weakening of the dollar and inflation. And in fact, here's the reality that next week, August 22nd, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are expected to announce the launch of a new international super currency fully backed by gold or other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. dollar, but our own government is supplanting it better than any foreign actor, frankly. That's why you need to diversify right now with gold. Gold is surging. Now is the time to buy. Text Daniel to 989898. What do you get? You get a free info kit that explains how to invest your IRA or 401k so you take your tax deduction but rather than putting that money in Vanguard or Fidelity you put it in something of value they hold it they have about three four different places throughout the country where it's held in in its real form Um, now more than ever arm yourself with information to protect your savings text Daniel to the number 989898 so folks Last night at a press gaggle, Kevin McCarthy announced that, indeed, he is not going to have a defund fight and he is going to pass a continuing resolution from, you know, at the end of September when the fiscal year runs out until December. Now, even before we get to the Trump prosecutions, that would be the consummate betrayal. Because here, here's symbolically what's so important, but it's not just symbolic, it's, it's substance and strategic as well. This is the first budget deadline that we're entering when the GOP took over Congress, right? Because the last one was passed, that crazy omnibus from December. But you could say technically Democrats had control of all three branches, even though Republicans, you know, joined with it in the Senate. But, you know, they didn't have control of the House. We are now, since the last time Republicans controlled the House, I want you to think about it. We have gone through a bunch of cathartic experiences. We have record hyperinflation from record spending. We have the Green New Deal. We have the government-orchestrated border invasion. We have government funding all aspects of life, transing of, of kids and grooming kids into thinking they're the opposite gender. And then we have the political targeting of our speech, the criminalization of our speech, Um that includes Trump, but includes many of us as well, those things need to be defunded. This is your time to say, we are not going to fund. This is our first opportunity. This is Republican governance. This is the GOP House. We will not fund a day longer than its expired mandate, midnight, October 1st, any of these immoral, unconstitutional, illegal activities of our own government that breaches the very essence of the social compact. That should be Kevin McCarthy's statement. We will not do this. Okay? And as I said, in order to buttress that, they'll be like, well, we don't have time to pass all the 12. We only pass one out of the 12 before September 30th. Why are you on a six-week vacation? In fact, the, the House Republicans actually come back a week later than even the Senate Democrat or Democrat-controlled Senate. They don't come back till September 12th. Forget that August recess is half of September. Oh, yeah. So you try to build a case like that before the deadline, you have no time. But if they would come in now, and, and again, if Trump is really this innocent, it should be very easy. They should hold hearings on this. 
and then drive that towards a defund bill, pass a DOJ appropriation bill, defunding various political targeting programs and cases, including Trump's prosecution, and done. But you got to build the case for it. Instead, McCarthy comes out and he says, we're going to pass a short-term CR. So you're done. Once you say that, you're showing the left that this is not a new, you know, a new right-wing MAGA house, like as, as the McCarthy supporters in the Trump world who call him based because of a tweet or a statement like to say, you're showing you are the same thing since Paul Ryan and Boehner, that you are terrified of going even a day over October 1st. Oh, well, December. Yeah, and then what's going to happen then? Okay, you're really going to have to, you lost. Once you show you're willing to do that, you lost. The only thing he's trying to show is different from what we do every single year is instead of having it expire like December 18th, right before Christmas, he'll like, we'll do it at the beginning of December so it won't give us a rush. Like, that, that's nonsense. Okay, that is a fraud. We, they are not going to fight on a single issue. But you know what? I can't blame Kevin McCarthy. I can't blame him. Because name me one figure, including Mr. Trump himself, who is calling on him to do this. Right? I mean, no one's talking about this. What is the avenue? So, so we don't matter. Okay, we don't matter. We got that. I mean, we got that with COVID. Conservative talk shows hosts didn't care about that either. So I got that. We don't matter. But Mr. Trump, I mean, like, what are you going to do? They're going to nail him. I mean, in three out of the four places... He will not be able to get a um, fair jury pool. So they will convict him. Okay, what, 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 what is your plan? What is the plan? No one has explained. In my view, the plan boils down to a scattershot of two things. There's two federal, two local, right? Atlanta and Manhattan. The two federal ones are defunded, and that brinkmanship is also used to influence and show the absurdity of the other two, but the other two refuse to show up, refuse to go to court, refuse to send anyone. The same thing I said with Alvin Bragg. They cannot run down to Florida and cut through Secret Service. I mean, even if he didn't have Secret Service, they can't do it without the governor. The governor already said, I mean, he didn't say specifically with this one, but presumably the same thing he said with Bragg. He wouldn't, he's obviously not going to deliver him and sign a, um, a release to allow state troopers to give him over to Atlanta PD. So don't show up. But but Daniel, but then he can't go and campaign in Georgia. Dude, the guy can't win Georgia as it is. He has a like 35 to 40% of Republican voters disapprove of him there. They blame him for losing the Senate seat. By the way, whether you like it or not, Republicans and Democrats in Georgia are united. They actually support this um indictment. I'm not saying I do, but I'm just saying that's a reality. He cannot win Georgia. And therefore he cannot win the presidency. That is a fact. What are you going to do with it? So if this is really not about campaigning and it's about he is fighting for you, fight for us. And the way to fight for us is don't show up. And he would have the backing. Give a, an hour speech to the nation. Lay out, outline the charges, outline the problems, outline the fallacies, assuming you actually can, and done. And say you're not going to show up. You and I can't do that. He can he can't because the governor will protect him. He can't because he has secret service. 
He can, because by virtue of who he is, a former president, we can't do that. Because again, I agree, this is a problem. Either at a federal level, DOJ, or in a blue cities and states, they will target political opponents. This is a big problem. We need someone to break that logjam and say, I will not participate. This is a sham. It is dangerous that you start using tweets as a um, pretext to go after people. Political rhetoric, that's a big problem. But no, notice they're not doing that. They're, he is not saying I'm not going to participate in the local DA stuff, and he is not calling upon McCarthy to defund the federal prosecutions. They are just thinking about fundraising to pay legal bills and to juice up his favorabilities among sympathetic Republican voters so he wins the primary. But they are not thinking about one step beyond that. Here's the reality. The reality is Fannie Willis, the Atlanta DA, I'm not defending her. This is horrific. The precedent this sets. A lot of people are, are confusing her with a Soros DA like Alvin Bragg. I actually did an article on her two years ago. She kicked, she ran against the Soros DA there that was like prosecuting police. She's generally a law and order person. She actually ran against the Soros person. She's a Democrat, but won. I'm just telling you, this shows how radical Democrats are that even the one that ran against the Soros DA believes in doing this, but it also shows you the unanimity of opinion in Georgia. Now, you might be, Daniel, why are all the Georgia Republicans like this? They have control of the legislature. They should get in there. And uh, the legislature, yeah, I mean, because the governor, without passing a new law, can't do anything, can't pardon. But uh, the Georgia legislature should, you know, gum up the works with this. I agree with that. But here's the problem. Two things. Number one, this is the failure of the same movement that doesn't focus on what I do and actually make red states red so Georgia is is slipping away they control both senate seats they really can't win statewide but Kemp managed to win as governor and they still do have control of the legislature because again because of Democrats being confined to areas even a state that you're starting to lose statewide you still have a majority of districts that's just kind of the way it works out so here's the problem number one We've failed in electing Republicans that will back us in red states. And number two, honestly, if the legislature did it, they would lose control of the legislature next election. He's that unpopular. Okay, They will lose. I'm just telling you, this is part of the problem. Trump is the worst. It is a problem. Let's say you have a hornet's nest where bees are getting into your house. You need to come with a can of Raid and spray the hell out of it really quickly and kill them before they could come and kill you. Trump goes and sticks his arm in the hornet's nest. He, he, he just, again, it is true that this is a big problem to criminalize it, but it is also true that his people lied and they went on record saying they lied. Not that that should be a crime. It should be a bigger crime to say, to lie about the safety of the vaccine. And I think that needs to be a part of our strategy that we need to, red states need to start threatening to prosecute them for human trafficking with what DHS is doing at the border and with racketeering and false advertising and all sorts of anti-consumer uh, um, protection statutes hit them up on all the administration officials who promoted the vaccine as safe and effective. 
But the reason we don't have people doing this is because we've pissed away because we don't have a serious movement that even in red states makes it red. And the one man who's tried to do it, we now piss on the guy in Florida. So yeah, I mean, go eat it. Again, it's hard. Trump takes a piece of steak, chews on it, spits on it, pees on it, and it's like, go eat it. Well, what am I supposed to do? I agree, I want to eat it. That's the problem. See, some of my colleagues that agree with me might say, yeah, this is all Trump's fault. But no, I mean, I I believe that Trump could die tomorrow and it, you know they will go after us. They are going after us. They already did. What do you think COVID was about? What do you think the Green New Deal is about? What do you think the border invasion and replacing us about? What do you think the anti-white um, you know, dogma and policies are about? Um, the anarcho-tyranny, the two-tier justice system. Trump is, is, is way late you know, to the game on that. It has nothing to do with him. I believe in that. He is making it impossible for us to ever redress it. And he himself is not using, he has the power to thwart the state ones and he has the ability to go after Kevin McCarthy and demand redress. McCarthy is his man. We warned that we didn't want McCarthy, even though he sounded a lot more, you know, feisty than Mitch McConnell, and he played to the base, and he went on all the conservative talk shows, because we knew that when it came to the debt ceiling and the budget bills, he would screw us, and everything else doesn't matter. And Trump backed him. Trump was the difference in us failing. All those people remember Charlie Kirk. Remember during the speaker's fight. What is the plan? What is the plan? I understand you don't like McCarthy, but what's the plan? And again, there it was very simple. We're going to, you know, they, they had certain people we were looking at and we're like, we're going to get rid of him. He is not an option. But if you sit and you and, you know, the entire like toilet paper USA or talking point USA uh, uh, orbit plays interference for McCarthy through through Trump, then yeah, I mean, then... That's going to put tremendous pressure on our guys, and they're going to have to cut a deal, which they did. But suddenly now, there's no question about what is the plan? What is the plan? It is a simple fact that the Georgia Republicans, you could hate them, and I do. And I've been trying to deal with this. You know, you have you have Bill Lee responding to a tranny attack on a Christian school by holding a special session in Tennessee on, on, on red flag laws. I mean, this is your legacy. This is Trump's legacy of not seriously changing the Republican Party and instead just sending the memo to Republicans that as long as you're from a red state and you kiss my rear end, it's all good, even if you continue doing the same horrible policies. Trump is the reason we were gaining momentum in an insurgent movement. Believe it or not, some people never knew politics before Trump, but some of us did. And he hijacked and derailed our movement. We had an insurgency movement long before him. So we are, we're stuck with a, with a tough hand. We're basically, it's only the Brian Kemp Republicans that at this juncture could even hold on to Georgia no one else will, and they're all against him. And 35 to 40% of registered Republicans in the state are against him. He cannot win that state by a mile 
He cannot win that state. There's not a single poll, even the contrived ones they have online, that show him ahead, and nor will they. Georgia alone is game over. He cannot win the presidency. And again, we can't wait till January 20. Notice I'm not saying, oh, so DeSantis needs to pardon him. That is true that DeSantis is the only avenue to having him pardon, but he'll be thrown in before them at least and have to serve some time. So what is the plan? So I just want to go over our plan before we get to our guest. But this segment is sponsored by our friends at Barrel Buddy. Again, it's like people talk about gun ownership to how much they love guns, but they don't act to a how do you act to a by being a responsible gun owner and cleaning your guns a barrel buddy makes it fun clean efficient and easy to do so you don't you're not like oh man i hate doing that it's like the lint and fibers and threads those those um trying to jam those uh cloths into your thing no barrel buddy it's, it's a cartridge that's perfectly made to give you 360 degree contact with your barrel um cleans it through and you, it, it is it is so easy to pull it through. It's also the type of thing it doesn't shred like the cloths do. It has multi-stage cleaning. It's disposable. You get fifty of these Barrel Buddy cartridges in a packet for just um, literally just twelve ninety nine, and that that easily should be able to clean your guns for a full year. So again, go to BarrelBuddy.com today. BarrelBuddy.com. Never let your guns go uncleaned. So again, just to reiterate, it's very simple. Budget fight right now. It, it, everyone's like, this is the worst thing imaginable. So why am I the only one calling on Republicans to come back for the August recess? Come back right now and deal with it. Hearings and de- pass a DOJ funding bill defunding this. You'll be able to command national attention. Senate Democrats aren't in, in session. Biden is wandering around Lake Tahoe now. I mean, bewildered, not responding to the Hawaii crisis. You know, the fire's there. You have a perfect talking point on that. Build the case. You still have another month and a half. We will not fund dangerous political targeting that's reminiscent of banana republics, like everyone's saying, beyond October 1st. Why am I the only... I actually believe it. As much as I want to talk about everything else. I do believe the political targeting is up there among the top three problems. And I do believe it's not just about Trump. So make it not about Trump then. I'm calling their bluff. Why are you not calling them to come back from recess and defund? Number two, why are you not calling on Trump not to show up in Atlanta, give a coherent speech, and don't show up? He is the only... See... This is what we're going to talk about with our next guest, the people who say no. But they had their lives destroyed. They get kicked out of the military, get their you know um, license taken away in the case of a doctor. They're screwed. Even in red states, we have this. Don't forget, that's, that's political targeting. Anyone who speaks out against vaccines, they have their license yanked. That's a problem. What about those people? They can't say no. They could say no, and you know what are you going to do about it? Here, he could refuse to go to Atlanta. That's number two. Number three, reds, we need to build a movement in red states to start targeting, to start targeting the left on their crimes. Number four, we need an automatic, and this is not just about Trump, but an automatic understanding that if you are residing currently in a red jurisdiction, 
and there is someone in a blue state or city that is trying to extradite you for what we believe is a political crime, we will not cooperate with extradition. Okay, okay. Number five, every state needs Florida's law to remove prosecutors and local officials. Where that's the thing, Fannie Willis cannot be removed. But imagine if every state had Florida's law. I, I forget how many do, but most don't. That is something they need to pass so we don't sit and have these enclaves within states that we have a Republican governor and legislature that are practicing the same tyranny as New York. Okay? And then finally, we need to fortify red states so they don't become like Georgia. The reason why Georgia is so tenuous that the Democrats are gradually assuming control and the Republicans are, are rhinos is because we allowed it. We didn't do... DeSantis is the perfect antidote to this. It's not just that he did good things. He turned the state red. Culturally. He denuded the left of their sources of power. He aggressively per used power to achieve his ends. Again, it's not like we have a bunch of Kerry Lakes and Trumps and Vivek Ramaswampis running the red states, whether you agree with them or not. Okay, so DeSantis is, is horrible. Fine. Have all those type of people. No. They're the same chambercrats. In fact, Brian Kemp, grading on a, on a curve, is actually above average relative to most other governors on, on many issues. That's how bad it is. That is my plan. And then, yes, obviously, at a federal level, the only chance, I mean, every single poll shows Trump losing to Biden in Georgia. I believe every poll I have seen, or almost every poll, shows DeSantis beating Biden in Georgia. So, you know, yeah, obviously, the DOJ stuff and pardoning, pardoning J6. You know, if you care about January 6th prisoners, then... You know, the bottom line is, what is your plan for them? But the Trump, yeah, but he won't win the general election. So you'll have Biden again or whoever they replace him with. So what are you going to do for them? Heck, DOJ will come in and add more charges retroactively. They'll do what they want. The judges will go, what is your plan? What is your plan? We need an immediate budget fight. And then also, the red states, and look, I would like to see DeSantis get into this and say, we will not allow our local law enforcement to work with these joint task forces with the FBI on cases that we believe are political targeting. The FBI relies a lot on state, state and local law enforcement for perimeter work, for um, you know just a lot of things. They work together. I'd like to see him break that ice and lead on that. I mean, no one else certainly will lead on that. But I'm the only one trying to build a case and a strategy on multiple state fronts and then utilize the GOP majority in the House to do anything immediately. Why aren't they doing it? Because they are not serious. Because at the end of the day, whether Trump goes to jail or not, ironically, as much as they claim to care so much about Trump, they care about themselves. Trump might go to jail, but these talk show hosts aren't going to go to jail. So they'll continue. It will be even better. You'll get even more ratings out of that. You see what I'm saying? That's the moral hazard. The more the left is cr crazy and emboldened, the more we throw ineffective, retarded leadership at them to make it even worse 
and then do nothing about it, but then make the case so easy for the Democrats by like it making yourself culpable and admitting to all this stuff. The more radical it gets, the more they could earn ratings off, off of it. It's not their necks on the line until very soon, by the way, if we don't start doing what we're going to do within the next few days, people like me and, and Charlie Kirk and Steve Bannon, and I mean, Steve Bannon's already in a world of herd uh, with legal stuff, but I'm saying just by virtue of being a talk show host and saying the things we say, you're going to be, um, you're going to be targeted. So you as may as well actually mean it, <laughs> right? If you're going to say it, you as may as well actually mean it and be serious about it. And that's where I want to lead to our next guest. So folks, why are we where we are today? And the answer is simple, because there has never been a gap, such a wide gulf between the rhetoric of all this burgeoning right-wing industry of talk and action. So they talk as if this is an existential crisis. They're going to come. They're going to lock you up. They're going to throw you in jail. They're throwing Trump in jail, doing all this. But then they don't act. And this is how we had COVID. That we all, we're all like, yeah, you know, I'm for liberty, limited government. And then we have the Super Bowl of it, and no one says anything. And the few people that do are few and far in between, and they get crushed, and no one does anything for them. And we've been talking a little bit about people like Sam Sigaloff and Mark Bashaw, who sacrificed their military careers to speak the truth on the vaccines and masks and to help others, not just themselves. You know, my understanding is both of them really could have been in a position to to get out of it themselves, but they wanted to help everyone else. Do we have their back? So obviously, again, we are fundraising for their legal defense in order to get discovery of what the military knew, when they knew. And I want to get a little bit more of a sense of that today. So fourthreichbook.com, we're doing this as a fundraiser. You get a signed copy, both from Steve and myself, of Rise of the Fourth Reich, fourthreichbook.com. And 100% of the proceeds are going towards these two individuals. And one of them is with us today, Dr. Sam Sigloff, who is a captain in the military, is getting out now. And now he, he has a problem that he cannot practice medicine in the civilian world until what the military did to him when he was in the service, until that gets cleared up. So um, also, by the way, you could follow him after he has a podcast after hours with Dr. Sigaloff after hours with Dr. Sigaloff. Look that up. Hey, Sam, thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks so much for your sacrifice. Thank you, Daniel. And I first want to say that any view that I express is solely held by myself, not the DOD, not the Department of the Army, nor the U.S. government, as I'm still an active duty uh, major in the U.S. Army. Uh, my last day in service is the 31st of August. So, yeah, and you are a major, and you're there for literally two more weeks. Could you explain, was this always your plan to leave then, or are you cutting it short? <clears throat> I did plan to stay in the reserves for a while um, and finish a retirement. I'm getting out. I'm ETSing. I am not getting a retirement after 11 years of service. Uh, and the reason I will not stay in is because of what they've done to my name, what they've done to my life, and I don't want them to have any more power over me and my family. So this obviously is, is hard to go over all of this. We don't have a tremendous amount of time today. But if you can give an overview of let, let's first go on the vaccine side, then we'll get to the COVID treatment side of things. So, you know, you're a doctor in the military. Um, you're, you're dealing mainly not with my understanding is mainly the families of soldiers. 
and you had these mandates and you know you obviously expressed concerns about the vaccines themselves but any vaccine does have um inherent allergic you know they're contraindicated for some people explain what happened when you tried to give medical exemptions yes sir so you're absolutely right. I would see mostly beneficiaries and I would counsel them and say, hey, at some point this will be mandated. Um, you need to figure out what's right for your family. Is it okay to be read on a list? Is it okay to be kicked out of the military? And the reason I would talk about that is some of the ingredients in Comirnaty, the only uh, vaccine that was not covered under EUA that was supposedly approved, had three lipid nanoparticles in them. And these lipid nanoparticles are new technology that have not been used in humans. And if you look at the safety data sheet of these lipid nanoparticles, two of them say not validated for human use. And the third one says not even validated for veterinary use. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, we talk a lot about the spike protein, but the, you, you are and you are ahead of the curve. A lot of studies have come out recently. I haven't had time to delve into them. That the LNPs really are a possibly an even bigger problem so what happened to so, – so you issued some medical exemptions? Yes, sir. So I had I did see a couple of uh, – or some soldiers when I was the medical director of Fort Huachuca, and I started issuing medical exemptions for the COVID shot. Um, I think it was August 28th of 21. And the basis for that medical exemption is that they're not fit for human use, and my patients are humans. Uh, I put some other pertinent medical information there for that particular patient. But if they didn't want to take it, I would give them this way to prevent from putting a a, sub, uh, a substance that shouldn't be put into humans. I would allow my patients to have that that excuse. So what happens to those medical exemptions? On 13, I'm sorry, on 9 September, I was told by my commander, who's a registered nurse, that I was not allowed to do that, and then I had to retract them. And she wanted me to feel the embarrassment of personally contacting every patient, which I I did, and I informed every patient that I, despite my nine years clinical experience, I was being ordered to retract your medical exemptions, and that my medical opinion had not changed. So the, the doctor was being ordered by a nurse, because she was technically a superior in the military chain of command, to reverse... Um, medical exemptions. Did 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 you say, hey, like there's contraindications, people are allergic to things? Did you try to debate yes. that or that was above her head? Um, that was above my head. And at, at the time, I thought it was a legal order. I look back now and see that it is clearly an illegal order. As I, have, I am given authority as a medical provider to issue medical exemptions. And that's per AR 40-562, which was published in 2013. So you had medical exemptions that were overturned um, by a nurse. And so so when did the military start getting on your case? And ha explain how that affects your ability now. Okay, you're getting out of the service, which is which is very sad. Like we said, that we're losing people like you're like, we're done. You're, unlike um, Basha, you weren't court-martialed and you're not being dishonorably discharged. It's just, you know, you're changing your plans. You're not going to remain in the reserves. But how is your civilian life, um, now you want to be just a regular civilian doctor, how is that affected? So my hospital commander suspended me on the 13th of September. And when you get suspended and you're in summary suspension for 30 days, the Defense Health Agency, the, the larger command structure, uh, automatically puts a complaint to the National Practitioner Data Bank. And what that does is it generates a complaint that goes to my licensure 
So Texas Medical Board said, hey, there's a problem here. Even though no complaint was ever put in by a patient, I have a complaint against my license. And so since December of 21, I've been under investigation in Texas. When you're under investigation by one medical board, you cannot apply for a license in a separate state. So in the military, you are serving in Texas, and now you're living in Arizona. So the military triggered an investigation, which affects your life as a civilian doctor um, in Texas, and then no other state will give it even in Arizona. So why were you suspended? Was it because of the vaccine exemptions? Or is that my understanding is this Lieutenant Colonel Marie uh, Carmona told you not to prescribe ivermectin? Is it because of that? So the ivermectin issue uh, on September 10th, she said that she reviewed the information. Again, she's a registered nurse. She reviewed the information and felt that it was inappropriate for anyone to prescribe ivermectin off-label, even though she doesn't have the educational um, background to be able to make that decision. Mm. As a commander, she doesn't have the authority to make that decision, and it was still covered by TRICARE. You did not need a prior authorization. So basically, Congress had said, we are willing to cover these medications for service members and their beneficiaries. And she said, no, I'm going to prevent this medication from being used. She even went so far as to call the pharmacist in the clinic and prevent patients from getting <laughs> ivermectin that I had already prescribed, which is also practicing medicine without a license. Has that ever happened in the military, just your years in the military, where like a commander is ticked off about the type of you know, prescriptions you give? I've never seen that. I've never had anyone say, oh, you can't prescribe that off-label, because it's a very common thing to do in medicine. Again, because I want people to understand how pervasive that order was. It wasn't just like, yeah, we're not so into this. Like, no, there was some memo that went out. And obviously, there's a Texas lawsuit. Dr. Mary uh, Bowden and several others are suing. And the FDA now came out and they're like, no, uh, you're all, doctors are always free to prescribe. We never said anything off label. They could always do. And of course, they're saying now that they're in trouble and there's a lawsuit and people no longer need it because it's kind of over with. But at the time they did, they were committing genocide. And, you know, that's that's the thing. So you're prevented from doing it, even though now the FDA says that, you know, of course you could prescribe. So you were suspended for prescribing? I'm trying to figure, just figure out why they said they suspended you. Sure. So uh, they stopped the prescription. The, they banned the off-label use of ivermectin on 10 September, and the next business day, which was Monday, the 13th of September, is when I was suspended for allegedly not following the Secretary of Defense guidance. His guidance, ironically, came out on the 14th of September, the day after I was suspended. And in retrospect, everything I did followed that guidance because it was a reinstatement from 2013 in from the AR 40-562. So I'm trying to figure out. So, so in there, at least from what they're saying. It's what what did you do wrong from from their standpoint? Nothing. I followed the law as written. I followed the spirit of the law. I did everything correct. Yet they still want to hammer me. You're saying they're not saying that they suspended you because you prescribed ivermectin. They suspended me for allegedly not following the secretary of defense guidance, which had not been published yet, was published the very next day. You're saying the guidance on the vaccines? On the exemptions. Yes, sir. On the exemptions. So for, for, for issuing medical exemptions, even if you agree with it, it was, the order wasn't even given. So why do you think they did suspend it? Is it because you were speaking, speaking out against it? 
I think I have to be an example. Are you familiar with the chilling effect that if you silence yep. one person, other people won't speak? Because I'm just and trying so to they, identify which point. You're saying it was just more the general, the prescribing ivermectin, the medical exemptions. You were giving informed consent on the vaccine. So like, hey, that's that's a that's a problem. So they suspended you. You weren't kicked out of the military. So what have you been – this is a long time. I mean this is almost two years, more than a year and a half. What have you been doing since then? Well, at one point I was escorted out of the clinic because my commander thought I was going to hurt someone. And so I started reporting to the garrison command building and just sitting around. So, I mean, what do you do all day? Sit around. I research things that I feel are important to me. Uh, but it specifically is fraud, waste, and abuse. You have a board-certified family physician sitting around when the clinic is unable to see beneficiaries anymore because they've lost so many physicians. So, yeah, I mean, at a time of recruiting crisis, this is what they're doing. Um, so, folks, I mean, this is the original targeting. This is what political targeting looks like. And it's been going on a lot longer than just Trump. And, of course, we stood silent. And obviously here we're not going to stand silent. So I want you to talk about Sigaloff v. Austin, okay, the lawsuit that you have, why it's important and why it's so important that people help um, – you know, so so this is not just you know. A, it's at a personal level that you're you're kind of caught because your whole career was the military, and now your skill is a doctor, but you can't practice because of what the military illegally did to you. But so so obviously you need redress for your own loss. But then also, what this will do in terms of the future with the military and the biomedical security state. Precisely. So the. The things they've done to me are whistleblower protection act violations because I am one of the DMED whistleblowers. Um, many of these things happened afterwards, like the suspension at my previous duty station where they did a sham peer review and they want to revoke my privileges at a place that I don't have privileges anymore. Um, that's whistleblower protect. That's retaliation. Um, Fifth Amendment issues. So due process. So these are constitutional issues. First Amendment is not actually in this, but there I was at one point told. I cannot talk about COVID vaccine or the virus during the duty day and in uniform, which is an illegal order because it has nothing to do with military service. In other words, you don't have the First Amendment right to to give out operational details or you know other things. But to say, like, you can't talk about a political or current event issue um, because, you know, people don't like your view on it. That's you're saying you still are covered, even though you're in uniform. Yes, sir, especially since I'm a medical professional and I was consenting patients for the COVID shot. So how can I consent anyone if I'm not allowed to speak about it? So in other words, like there's there's a longstanding you know, debate with doctors, for example, um, over how aggressively you give antibiotics, right? I mean, you know, is that kind yeah. of in the medical community in general? Some are more hawkish, some are more dovish on how much to utilize antibiotics for certain things so as not to overutilize it. So, you know, imagine you have a, you know, the longstanding debates um, on many different things and uh, the military is saying, you know, you can't you can't take that side of the debate or you can't can't speak about that. There's disagreements all the time in technique, uh, diagnoses, uh, treatments and things like that. So so what are you hoping that this um, Sigloff v. Austin lawsuit is going to uncover? Well, I'm hoping that it will 
get case law in the books that will allow physicians in the military to continue to speak what they feel is correct, allow them to be that resistance, to be the other side, the other voice. The other voice. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, if we ever hope to get military recruitment back, which, you know, at this stage, I don't, I don't even know what to do. Uh, but but you're going to need that. I mean, this is a big problem because to begin with, obviously, you have fewer rights in the military and they're taking away free speech. So, again, like, you know, everyone's talking in the news today over how, oh, my gosh, you're saying like, you know, even if you believe he's lying, how do you criminalize, um, you know, political rallying and activities around saying the election was stolen? Uh, you know, whether you agree with it or not, how is that criminal? But again, I mean, they criminalized our breathing. They criminalized our work. They criminalized our, our movements due to COVID, and then they criminalized speaking out against what they were doing, um, people losing their licenses. I mean, this is the big targeting we were focused on for three years. A lot of my colleagues have been MIA. So, um, you know, the, my, my question is, Are you, you, you have a whistleblower protection lawsuit here. Are you also going to pursue legal action on damages to yes, your sir, we career? We recently added damages in. Right, the fact that you can't practice without a license because they suspended you with an illegal order. Is that going to be a part of it? Yes, sir. And and my suspension is not with my medical license. It's only my privileges that are suspended. It it seems complicated, but it's um, and it sounds like it's splitting hairs. But my license has been clean. Nothing has happened to my license other than I'm under investigation. In and other if words, you look you're at saying facts, if you lived in Texas, you could practice in Texas, but another state won't issue a new one if there's a pending those, investigation. Correct, exactly. So that that's that's the thing there that you cannot live in any other state to get one. Um, and and again, I mean, th- this is something you know, folks. This is an action item we need to create in every legislative session. We need to make sure that. Every state that is allegedly red and has a Republican legislature is ensuring that that no medical board can deny a license for someone on account of any sort of investigation based on COVID views and prescriptions and practicing. So um, this is this is clearly a thing. I just want to get back to the ivermectin stuff because this is pretty unbelievable. The um. The FDA just said very publicly that there's no such problem of doctors not being able to prescribe ivermectin off-label, but isn't it true to, that to this very day in the military you can't do it? In the, in the military, you can. At Fort Huachuca, there is a memo that has been written by that name that you mentioned earlier uh, that prevents any off-label use. It's an illegal memo. It's an illegal order. Uh, because a nurse, a nurse, a registered nurse cannot practice medicine and cannot prevent uh, physicians from prescribing whatever medication they feel is appropriate to treat. Oh, boy. Lovely. That is our military. Um, I'm assuming you don't plan on urging your son to join the military. No, my son and daughter, I will urge them to never join the military. I mean, and, and this is what they want. I mean, they want to drum out the free thinkers, the people that will actually say no. I mean, look, Sam, what, I, what I've been telling my audience from day one I admire about you is that, you know, you could have kind of finagled some sort of arrangement to, for yourself to skate around the vaccine. But, you know, you wanted to help others. You cared about other people. You understood this was not fit for human 
uh, use, which it certainly isn't. Um, I don't know what sort of animal use it's it's suited for. I don't think it's suited for that either. But at least in a technical te- technical sense, you're focused just on something very definitive with the lipid nanoparticles. It is it is incontrovertibly clear, and you know you are you are stymied, you are punished for speaking out, and then and then also just just again describe the warning you did again. We haven't talked about this with the DMED data. Obviously, it's been unclear because they've messed with the data so many times, so it's hard to get exact numbers. But the general sense that there was a big, big increase in certain heart ailments and strokes is definitely true. Um, just, just give that over again. What happened with that? So, uh, Lieutenant Colonel and Dr. Teresa Long um, found some information in the Defense Military Epidemiologic Database, a database that was set up to look for any medical threats threatening the active duty service members. She called me to confirm what she found. And it was, it looked devastating. It looked like, you know, 300% increase in testicular cancer, 300% increase in pulmonary embolisms, uh, 200 or 300% increase in um, ovarian cancer. Now, since we came out with that information, the database has been taken down and completely new numbers have been put up, but it still seems with the most recent reports that have come out of the DMED data, that there is still um, significant signal, safety signals that we're yeah. seeing. In, in other words, you aren't wrong to warn about that. If there was somehow a mistake in there, that's their fault. But nonetheless, we know that the general sense is true, even if it wasn't the exact numbers. And certainly the myocarditis, they admit to. Um, how do you take 20-year-old soldiers and do that to their heart um, long after you knew this was A, unnecessary, B, ineffective, and C, very unsafe. Um, this is this is truly unbelievable what's going on. Again, fourthreichbook.com is where we could help fund his lawsuit, make him whole on his ability to, uh, you know, I mean, he's been just sitting around there, can't, can't move on with his life as a civilian doctor, um, obviously speaking out on, on our behalf. Where else, where could people get your podcast? It's After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. And you can find it on Rumble or anywhere that you get podcasts. And actually, in a few weeks, I'll be coming out with an episode where I speak to a 23-year-old female uh, who was actually stationed at Fort Huachuca at one point. And she had a total of three heart attacks and a stroke. And one of those heart attacks, she went to sick call, where you get seen by the doctor in the morning. And a registered nurse who was a captain told her, do you see how busy it is here? Why don't you come back some other time? And she went to the emergency room and found out she was having a heart attack. Yeah, because every day, 23-year-olds have... uh have heart attacks all the time. Um, you know, I, I just, I, we're almost out of time here, but what is up with the culture of the military? That What you just said, because we understand like ivermectin or vaccine, so ooh, right away, you know, that that is an edict, that's an agenda item. The memo went out to everyone, you know, this is the priority of the military. But just like what you just told me, that someone comes in like that in such grave danger and there's just this callous attitude, where did that come from? It's it's the culture that's developed over the past few years, because when you can go over people's rights and spread HIPAA and and not care about the rules or the laws and, and you have nurses practicing medicine, then nothing matters. You can do whatever you want and nobody cares because that that commander who has now moved on to another command leadership position, no one's held her accountable. I've tried to get CID, which is the Army's version of the FBI. I've tried the FBI. I've tried police to try and get her investigated. I am readdressing it with the 
local commanders to, to get a commander's investigation for this, this woman who has practiced medicine without a license and put people's lives in danger. In multiple ways, by the way. Um, unbelievable. So again, forthrightbook.com, and you could check out his uh, podcast, After Hours with Dr. Sigloff. Look, you know, we really admire what you've done. May God be with you and your wife, your kids. If more people did what you did, we wouldn't be in this position. So we certainly want to give the impression, at least, that we have your back and people like you do that. Um, thanks again, and definitely keep us updated. Thank you so much, and God bless. Take care. So, folks, there you have it, Dr. Sigloff. Very kind-hearted person, godly person, um, just just a very special individual. And really, on many levels, he is the antidote to, to what we're dealing with, and he's the antithesis to what we're dealing with. See, the left doesn't meme in order to build support for policy outcomes. They quietly implement their policies and let them me- then they'll meme off its inevitability as a new normal. They just do it. They just do it. Legal, illegal, it doesn't matter. They do it. Like, no, come on. You're not- they-, they didn't sit and build support for Trump indictments for years. I mean, they had the drip, drip, but they, they just go do it. Hey, what-, what are you going to do about it? They just make sure they can wield the power in a way that no one's going to challenge it, and then uh, they do it. We don't have that. We have a bunch of people doing memes, and they don't exercise power or don't even guide people and, and, and focus their pressure to where power could be implemented. Again, imagine if every red state would be like Florida. Well, if that were the case, then Florida today would look like nothing because each one would compete with each other, and you'd get better and better, and they'd be the blue state equivalent of a red state. And at least we'd have a place to go. But here we have red state medical boards screwing with people. We have that in Ohio. So this is, again, Trump could go away tomorrow and the political targeting won't stop. I agree with that. But a lot of the Trump people that are saying that, which I agree with, they are part of that problem because they stood by and did nothing with this. And they excused it when Trump really unleashed all of that with COVID. And he certainly is not the solution. What is the plan? What is the plan? Memes are not enough. We're about results. And we need more people like Dr. Sigalov who will actually not just believe in it, but will put themselves on the line and they'll get suspended. But if you get enough people doing it, then they're not just, you know, fodder or cannon fodder, which is what happens to these people when it's too few and far between, then you get critical mass. That is the only thing it's going to take. But until now, like, all, here's the joke. All these people talking about civil war, and believe me, I agree. I I believe what they have done to us is well beyond that threshold. 99.9% of them wouldn't participate in such a civil war. They do what they did on January 6th, allow a handful of people to be cannon fodder, and then they get to earn a living off of talking about the injustice of it. Yeah, and it's going to keep going on. Like I said, it will go on until they can no longer speak. How long do you think that's going to take? How far off are we? Well, I could tell you as long as I could still speak without getting arrested, I will use this platform to its fullest. Thanks to your help. Thanks for supporting those that support us, like Dr. Sigalov, uh, by uh, you know contributing to our um, legacy copy of our book, ForthreichBook.com. You can email me, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.